The Lord be with you. Reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did Jesus' homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of the children and throw it to the dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Now, I got to admit, I like preaching. It's a lot of fun. But there are some times whenever preaching isn't really that much fun. Like, for instance, if you have to preach a homily at the Naval Academy Chapel right before Election Day, not fun. Or if you're in a prison and you've got to preach on a gospel where Jesus condemns everybody to hell that has a grudge against their brother, not fun. Or if you were at Our Lady Wisdom Chapel and some of the presence of Lafayette's brightest Catholics, you have to explain why Jesus called a woman a dog. Not fun. But perhaps we can look at this passage a little deeper and maybe find what exactly is going on. Why is Jesus using this woman and calling her a dog? And I dare say, perhaps he's using this woman to teach us how to deal with adversity. Because my friends, The woman that approached Jesus is not just an ordinary woman. She's a Canaanite woman, which means that she's a pagan, which means that she has no right whatsoever to dialogue with our Lord, a Jew, to seek healing from our Lord, a Jew, nor salvation from our Lord, a Jew. My friends, the promises of God do not apply to pagans, and she knows that. She knows it very vividly. She knows that if she sought the justice of God, that she would be smacked down right then and there, that she would not stand a chance because pagans are not in communion with God. That's what she was aware of, which is why she did not approach him seeking justice at all. She approached him seeking mercy. She said, Jesus, son of David, have pity on me. I have no right to be here. I have no right to approach you. I have no right to come into contact with you, to even ask you a question but I can't ask for your mercy. Please, Lord, look upon me with mercy. And the treatment that Jesus gives her right after that is probably some of the most painful treatment that any man, woman, or child could ever receive from our Lord. He was silent. He said nothing. How many times do we go to God with a painful 
requests. Something like our, what our woman is going through in today's gospel where her daughter is being tested by a demon. I can only imagine the struggles that she must go through. I can only imagine the desire that she wished that a demon would afflict her, not her daughter. And yet, after making a simple request, Lord, please be merciful to me, have pity on me, he responds with painful, excruciating silence. My friends, this is not a sign of God's weakness. This is not a sign of God. This is a sign of God's test. Whenever God is silent in the face of our prayers, it is always intentional, it is always deliberate, and it is always painful. Like a personal trainer adding more weight to an already difficult workout. My friends, the silence of God is not meant to make us weak. It's meant to make us grow. And even the disciples felt this tension. Which is why they looked at our Lord and said, send her away. As if they were saying, Lord, you can do anything. Just drive this demon away and let's be done with this. But the Lord would never, ever do such a thing. Because the Lord is not in it for himself. He's not here to make life easier for him. He's here to make us grow. He's here to make us desire his, only, his presence, his heaven, his salvation. Which is why he presses on the fact which is why he continues to grow this tension, to grow this pain, to grow this confusion, says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As if to say, this woman is a Canaanite. This woman is a pagan. She has no right to be in my presence, which is all absolutely true. Some say here, so from here, this is where we see the woman's perseverance. First, we saw her faith. But here, she looks at him and against all adversity, against all struggle, against all tension that she has with God, she could have yelled at him, she could have spat at him, but instead she gave him homage and said, Lord, help me, help me. And that's what led to the greatest and most intense part of this entire episode. Jesus said something that we would never think to come from the lips of the living God. He says, I was sent Excuse me, it is not right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. As if to say it is not right for me to focus on the Gentiles instead of the Jews. Because I was sent for the Jews. And he said this all throughout the Gospels. He told his disciples, do not go to Samaritan lands, do not go to Gentile lands. That is not our business right now. Our business is to the Jews. That will be taken care of later. And so he's simply towing what he's always said before. Now, some people say whenever he said it is not right to th take the food of children and throw it to the dogs, that he was just joking. This remark was some kind of jest because in the Greek, the dogs that he's referring to is little dogs. As if to say he's talking about like a little lap dog. But the reality is this is Israel 2,000 years ago. This ain't North America where pets have become children, where pets are basically part of the family. No, dogs are dogs. And all throughout the Gospels, dogs have never, ever, ever connotated anything good. Dogs are scavengers. Dogs are things that, that, that eat the food off of your table, off of the, the crumbs. They are not exactly things any of us aspire to. And so this, in a sense, it is an insult. But in reality, it's true. Remember, she is a pagan. She has no right to be here. She has no right to even speak to our Lord. And at this moment, she was being insulted. 
At least, it could have, she could have perceived it that way. My friends, had Jesus been working in corporate America and had he had said that to a woman, he would have been fired. In fact, throughout the scriptures, had he had said that to a Pharisee, they would have argued with him. Had he said that to an apostle, the apostle would have been shamefully silent. But what happened here was absolutely unprecedented. What this woman did was something nobody could have ever expected. She agreed with him. She didn't say what's wrong with you. She didn't say how dare you. She didn't say I'm going to go to the ICLU, the Israel Civil Liberties Union. She said, please, Lord, please. For even the dog to eat the scraps from the master's table. As if to say, you're right, I don't belong here. I am a dog. I'm a Canaanite. And I have no divine rights whatsoever. But you are the Lord. And even the tiniest graces that you have can drive out this terrible, awful demon that's afflicting my daughter. My friends, that simple agreement moved the heart of God in a most magnanimous way. And her desire was granted. My friends, this awe-inspiring story shows us the incredible power of humility as opposed to the profound weakness of pride. Had she been a prideful woman, she would have reacted. She would have gotten mad. She would have pressed charges. But she was a humble woman. My, my friends, pride means that we have a sense of entitlement. It means that we deserve that trophy. We deserve that reward. We deserve that championship. But the, the humble man, the humble woman, recognizes that he or she is not entitled to anything. In fact, he or she is entitled to absolutely nothing. But in the heart, their heart of hearts, the humble men, the humble women of the world recognize that while they are entitled to nothing, they're capable of anything. My friends, humility is the most powerful virtue in all of human history, and pride is its most dangerous vice. And salvation, salvation history shows this ever so clearly, that those men who put themselves on the top always end up at the bottom. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Look at Adam, look at Saul, look at Goliath, look at Solomon, look at Samson, look at the Pharisees, look at the scribes, look at the Sadducees. All of these men claim superiority over everybody else. And because of that, they caved, they fell, they lost. Pride goeth before the fall. But on the other hand, look at those men who assume the lowest place at the table in the history of salvation. Look at Abel. Look at Jacob. Look at Joseph. What about Moses, David, Hezekiah, the apostles, the centurion who said, Lord, I'm not worried that you should enter under my roof. And look at the blessed Virgin Mary. My friends, St. Paul's exhortation that I rejoice in my weaknesses, for in my weaknesses I am strong, is not a pious platitude. But it's a key to every successful business, sports team, and ministry. Because only whenever we are aware of our weaknesses will we ever be able to drive, will we ever have the drive to fix them. Will we ever have the desire to train, will we ever have the motivation to go out and attain what we know we are not entitled to. My friends, if pride goeth before the fall, then humility cometh before the rise. And that's what our woman in today's gospel teaches us. She so shows us that you and I have no divine rights, that you and I, outside of God, are truly nothing, that we're even lower than the dogs, we are dust, and from dust we shall return. 
Only the breath of God gives us life. Only the love of God gives us, gives us hope. And only our baptism allows us to be his sons and daughters. It's by grace we are saved and by grace that we work with our Lord. It is by grace. And that is what we are called to beg God for. We're not entitled to, entitled to anything. But God shows us in this parable that we can obtain everything. And so my dear friends, may we adopt that powerful virtue of humility. May we stand before the Lord in full knowledge that it's all him. That he's the one that leads us to salvation. That he's the one that leads us to fruitfulness. That he's the one that leads us to success. And without him, we are nothing. God bless you.